0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of God. Time for the ministry of the word. The title this morning is, Let's Talk Forgiveness. Let's talk forgiveness. But before we do that, I want to introduce with some other scriptures and one other thought. Uh, Luke 21, 25 to 28. Luke chapter 21, verse 25. Jesus said, and there will be signs in the sun in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, Look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. Maranath, our Lord, comes. These are the words of Jesus, speaking of the last of the last days, the end of the end times. Some people say today in relation to the current world conditions, this is nothing new. We've seen this before. The world has endured situations like this, plagues unrest, civil disorder and they reference things like the Dark Ages, the Black Death of the 1300s which wiped out in some places 50-60 percent of the population of Europe, revolutions, etc. But the truth is that we are seeing things today never seen before. The global scale of calamity, the social upheaval, the breakdown of marriage, the destruction of the nuclear family, the unprecedented immorality now accepted among the nations, the horrific rate of abortion, the sexual redefinition, abnormality, and disorder. These are things never seen till this generation. It reminds me of Revelation 12 12. The devil has great wrath because he knows his time is short. Jesus said, Men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Because your redemption draws near. I have two admonitions this morning. Number one, don't get careless. Jesus continued in verse 36, Luke 21. But take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day, the coming of the Lord come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, that quickly, like a snare falls. Watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore and pray always. Jesus said, I want you to increase your prayer life at the end of the age. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, And to stand before the Son of Man. Take heed. One generation has to be final. Why not ours? As the will of God decides. There is nothing stopping the return of Christ at any moment. Can you imagine being alive at the second coming of the Lord? I've said to the Lord many times, I'd love to be alive at your second coming. The heavens open, the Son of Man claims the skies. Can you imagine being caught up to be with the Lord? Those that have gone before us, raised out of the graves, will meet them. Together we'll be caught up in the presence of the Lord. My, it would be something to be alive at the second coming of the Lord. There's nothing stopping it. But Jesus said, don't get careless. In the time before I come, don't get careless. There is a temptation to get careless when restraints fall. Proverbs 29:18, New King James says, where there is no revelation, that is the word of God. This is the revelation. Where there is no revelation, where there is no Bible, where there is no word of God, The people cast off restraint. That's the tragedy. That's the result. Where there is no word of God, the people cast off restraint. And our culture has forsaken the word of God. Our nation has forsaken the word of God and thus cast off restraint. Morally, spiritually, socially. And it's now reaping a terrible harvest of iniquity. But Proverbs 29, 18 goes on to say, But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no word of God, the people cast off restraint. But happy are those who keep the law, who keep the law of the Lord, who keep the scriptures, who obey the commandments of the Lord. That's why we have the joy of the Lord. We're happy. We have the joy of the Lord because we keep the word of God. Don't get careless. Many times in the Old Testament, God's people became careless, compromised and casual. In the days of the judges, in the days of the kings, one notable time in the days of Elijah, so compromised was Israel, those who were called to be the people of God, so careless in their ways before the Lord that Elijah cried out and said, Lord, I alone am left, Said so the people have forsaken your covenant. They've broken down your altars. They've put the prophets to the sword. I alone am left. But God said, Elijah, I have reserved unto myself 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed his image. So even at this present time, there is a remnant of faith those who love and serve the Lord. Don't get careless. Don't get careless in your spirit in marriage in fatherhood and motherhood in morals in entertainments in character the apostle paul said in 1st corinthians 11:2 keep the ordinances as i delivered them to you keep the ordinances keep the apostolic tradition as i delivered it unto you Those requirements passed down. The ordinances are the spiritual duties, the spiritual requirements, the regulations for the people of God. Things like the reading of the word, a love for the house of God, tithes and offerings, praise and worship, corporate prayer, the public preaching and teaching ministry, the fellowship of the saints, the table of the Lord, these are ordinances. These are apostolic tradition. These are the regulations and spiritual duties required of the saints. In these loose times, some are departing from the faith, and others are getting careless in the ordinances of the Lord. Number one today, don't get careless. Jesus said, take heed, take heed. To yourselves, don't let your hearts get away. Don't let your lifestyle get away on you. Take heed and keep the ordinances of the Lord. Watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Admonition number two, don't smite the servants. Don't get careless and don't smite the servants. Years ago, my mom told me something about my grandmother, Amanda, who went to be with the Lord in 1993 at 96 years of age. In the years before that, she had been earnestly seeking the Lord because she wanted to be fully prepared as a bride for the bridegroom. She wanted to be fully prepared. She wanted to make sure that she was prepared for the coming of the Lord, and she earnestly went before the Lord and said, Lord, show me, tell me, how can I be prepared for your coming? And one day the Lord spoke to her, and he said, don't smite the servants. I don't know if my grandmother found that or received that word from the Bible or directly from the the Lord, but it is in the Word. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 12 today, 35 to 40. Don't smite the servants. It says, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. The words of Jesus said, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching assuredly I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, between 10 and 2, 10 p.m. to 2 p.m., or the third watch, 2 p.m. to 6 a.m., and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, therefore, You also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Verse 45, but if that servant says in his heart, if that Christian says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, don't get careless and don't smite the servants. It says the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. My, that's sobering. If the servant says, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat, to strike, to smite the servants, and to get careless, eating and drinking and being drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Now this morning, I'm going to depart from my usual method. I can't risk the time to preach extemporaneously. And I want to be very precise in my words, and I want to talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about love and unity, agape, covenant relationship, peace. This message has been on my heart for months, and I've been encouraged at the last CTI class to preach it. Perhaps some things will be presented today that you may need to ponder. Then be like the noble Bereans who, when Paul preached, searched the scriptures to determine if the things preached were true. Let's talk forgiveness. There are two basic kinds of forgiveness. I believe this message will set some of you free in your spirit. Take some of the struggle off your life. There are two basic kinds of forgiveness, general and specific, and how do we deal with them? The first is general. Mark 11:25. whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. This is to a call to cleanse our hearts continually before the Lord from any resentment, grievance, accusation, offense against anyone. You know, prayer is when the issues of the heart surface most and when the Holy Spirit is on active duty to sanctify us. When we go to prayer, we have to deal with our hearts. The Holy Spirit's there working on us because he wants to keep us holy and pure and clean. These This general forgiveness relates to indirect grievances, annoyances, irritations, prejudices, petty offenses, petty differences, interpersonal tensions. The answer to this struggle, this area of forgiveness, the answer is that we call out on the Lord, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. When you stand praying, forgive. Say, I, Lord, cleanse me, purify my heart. Lord, I come against these feelings. I purge them from my life. I spurn them. I reject them. Sometimes you have to do that. You have offenses or these petty annoyances with people. As you stand praying, you just reject them. I reject them in the name of Jesus. When you stand praying, forgive jesus said or we're to say in our prayers forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors these offenses that i'm talking about right now in this general area are areas we deal with privately before the lord They're struggles on the inside of us forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors Ephesians four thirty to thirty two says, "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The present distress." The situations that are on the earth right now have put attention in the people of God. And many things can be said, and many judgments can be given, and many opinions can be expressed by the people of God. But the Bible says that these things we should deal with in our own heart before the Lord. When you stand praying, forgive your brothers and sisters. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 13, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so all you also must do. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. F.B. Meyer said these words, The only thing about which we do well to be reticent to our intimate friends is when we have been slighted or injured. Under such circumstances it is good not to speak, because maybe we shall magnify the slight into an actual wrong, whilst if we do not speak about it, we shall forget it. The wisdom of F.B. Meyer. The only thing about which we do well to be reticent to our intimate friends is when we have been slighted or injured. Under such circumstances, it is good not to speak, because maybe we shall magnify the slight into an actual wrong, whilst if we do not speak about it, we shall forget it. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all things, have fervent love, agape, one to another, for love covers a multitude of sins. These are the general areas of forgiveness. We're cleansing our hearts. When we stand praying, forgive. Any accusation, petty differences, prejudices, subjective judgments we have about people we cleanse these out in the presence of the lord we keep our heart clean create in me a clean heart renew a right spirit within me how many know exactly what i'm talking about it's a constant maintenance monitoring of our hearts before the lord second specific forgiveness specific forgiveness this is a different matter What about specific violations, wrongdoing, direct sins against one another? How are we to deal with these? Jesus said in Luke 17, 3-4, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you, Rebuke him. Say, brother, you sinned against me. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, obviously it would be different offenses, or else he hadn't really repented. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Those are the words of the Lord. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. But what if he doesn't repent and make things right? It's obvious that forgiveness is then halted. The process is stalled. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. These are the words of our Lord. perhaps the church leadership or council at that point. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. These are quite the words. Matthew 18, 15 to 17, the three-stage forgiveness process. So the person sinned against is seeking that things be made right. But if there is no repentance on the part of the wrongdoer, then the obligation of reconciliation ceases, and the one wronged need no longer concern himself with the offense or the offending brother. Let him be to you as a common man. The matter is closed and now in the hands of God, left to the administration and justice of God. And what about abuses and injustices from the past, from people who have brought hurt and pain into our lives, but there has been no remedy and no forgiveness sought? The answer is that we resign these situations to the Lord. We cast our burden on the Lord. Nonetheless, we are responsible to adopt a spirit of forgiveness. There can't be forgiveness in actuality because there's no repentance. Repentance and remission should be preached, the Bible says. So if there is no forgiveness sought, we resign these situations to the Lord, we cast our burden on the Lord. But we are responsible to adopt a spirit of forgiveness. That is, trust that the offender will seek repentance and find mercy for their wrongdoing. For the truth is, we should always desire that people deal with their sin and come to repentance. We should always pray that those who have sinned against us find forgiveness before the Lord. Question. Is it possible that some believers have been constrained into forgiving persons they are not responsible to forgive? Constrained to go down the corridor of their minds and so-called forgive a wrongdoer, even if there has been no repentance and contrition? Some things are best left in the hands of God. And the one wronged need not disturb their heart and soul with condemnation over Have I forgiven that person? Have I not? I'm still struggling with my emotions and thoughts. Have I forgiven that person? Have I not? But leave it with God. I believe that's the wisdom of God's word. Leave it with God as Jesus. When they were crucifying him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He cast that injustice, he cast that sin against him over on the Father. Jesus didn't look down from the cross and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive all of you who are taking my life and destroying me. No, he said, this is a matter that's beyond my personal realm. Father, forgive them. He had a spirit of forgiveness that those men would find repentance and salvation in the days to come. As Stephen, as the men picked up stones to stone him, he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Lay not this sin to their charge. Or as Paul in 2 Timothy 4.16, as he went to trial in Rome, he said, at my first defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. This Great apostle, greatest apostle on the pages of the New Testament, the apostle Paul, who'd given his life, risked his life, endured persecutions and heartache and struggle and trial to birth the churches, to bring people to Christ. And many had come to Christ in the nations. He said, when I went to trial before Nero, he said, no one would stand with me. They didn't want to be identified with me. He said, at my first defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. I pray, God, it will not be laid to their charge. It is apparent that there are some sins and violations we are not compelled to forgive, but that these are best left to the administration and justice of God. It is ill-advised to try and get people to forgive injustices they are not responsible to forgive. Not all issues are solved this side of eternity. Stephen did not forgive his murderers, saying, I forgive you, as they were stoning him. He was not responsible to. In fact, in Revelation 6, the souls of the martyrs of whom Stephen was one cry out for justice and the avenging of the blood of the saints shed on the earth. But it wasn't a personal vendetta. Their cry is for pure, holy justice of God to be administered in the realms and jurisdiction of this earth. Stephen, rather, in a spirit of forgiveness, committed their injustice to God, trusting that they find forgiveness for their sin. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And one man at least, Saul of Tarsus, in a year's time, found repentance and salvation in Christ. This is the spirit of forgiveness in cases where repentance and forgiveness are not sought. The spirit of forgiveness... But we cast the situation over on the Lord. Now, where forgiveness is sought for a sin or offense, including restitution where applicable, the Bible enjoins that it must of necessity be granted. It is never right to withhold forgiveness should it be sought. It is never right to withhold forgiveness. From somebody that's sinned against you, should forgiveness be sought. Matthew 18. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Jesus had said in Luke 17, if your brother sins against you seven times and repents, forgive him. Peter said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. The implication of Jesus' words is that we have been forgiven 70 times seven. The measure of our sin debt against God And it would not be right for us to withhold seven times forgiveness, the measure of our sin debt against one another. God has forgiven us 70 times seven for all our sins. How could we not forgive our brothers and sisters who would have a seven times offense in the relationship? In the parable of the unforgiving servant of Matthew 18, 21 to 35, we have been forgiven 10,000 talents before God, an impossible sum. No one could ever pay their sin debt. How can we not forgive 100 denarii, a three-month amount, to one another? If you want to be part of a church family, and in particular the ministry, you will certainly have sufficient opportunity to practice forgiveness (laughs) maybe I should say if you're a human being if you're alive in this earth you will have opportunity to practice forgiveness and the spirit of forgiveness forgiveness where it's directly asked for but the spirit of forgiveness where it's not I have had my experiences A number of years ago, a young man in our ministry training broke rank and in a very disregarding and abrupt manner departed and sought ministry position on his own. Three or so years went by, and one evening I received a text. This young man, hesitant at first to identify himself, wondering if I could forgive him. Deeply regretful for his decision and the consequences of it, I was with my family at the time. This situation was not something hidden. It had happened openly, so I was free to let my family know of this text. I was taken aback. How to respond? What should I say? I waited, and then my son, Mark, had a word of wisdom. I texted back. There is always forgiveness. There is always forgiveness. The apology came, request was made, the contrition was so sincere, I texted again, I forgive you. Matthew 6:14 For if you do not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We must extend to one another the same forgiveness that God extends to us. A sin once remitted is no longer to be remembered against a brother. The slate is clean as God does for us. It is not that God forgets our sin. It is that he remembers our sin against us no more and puts us into a state of justification, just as if I'd never sinned, and so we do to one another. What about hurts and wounds from the past that surface in our minds and emotions from time to time, abuses, Misuses? Injustices? Betrayals? Violence? Abandonment? Neglect? How do we deal with these unresolved matters? The answer is pray. Pray much. Pray in the spirit. Cast your burden on the Lord and adopt a spirit of forgiveness. A prayer that the wrongdoer find a place of repentance and the mercy of God for their sin. Vengeance is not ours, it belongs to the Lord. As Joseph said to his brothers who had so terribly wronged him, he said, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Our responsibility is a spirit of forgiveness. This spiritual capacity may take some time to develop. One call usually doesn't do it all in these matters. Not a one time forgiveness session. There may be lingering remembrance of injustice and words spoken, recurring struggle, that emotional upheaval inside of us. But our duty is to call on the Lord for a spirit of forgiveness. That we begin to pray that those people or that situation, that offender, Find repentance. Find mercy. Because we don't want to see anyone die in their sin and go to hell. God forbid. No matter what people have done for us, God forbid that we should ever want to assign someone to the fires of hell for their injustice against us. Jesus said, Luke 17, 3-5, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. A capacity must be developed in this realm of forgiveness, in the spirit of forgiveness. When Jesus instructed his disciples concerning forgiveness, they said, Lord, increase our faith. They didn't say, increase our love, which would seem to be the grace they needed. Forgiveness, I need more love. No, they said, increase our faith. The principle of spiritual life is this. The more faith increases, the more our relationship with God increases, the more our relationship with the word of God increases, the more the surrender of our heart increases, the greater will be our capacity to forgive. I've dealt with people who are were struggling and with the area of forgiveness and couldn't forgive, couldn't even come to a spirit of forgiveness at that point. I don't force them. You have to forgive, the Bible says. I say, listen, you go and begin to call on the name of the Lord. You get into the word. You begin to mature in your spiritual life. You let God heal the brokenness of your heart. You let God minister to your life and give you a new day. And you see what will happen to you. How all that turmoil, all that struggle and trial will come off your heart. And you'll be able to pray one day, Lord, lay not that sin to their charge. May they find mercy and forgiveness just like I did for my sins. William Gurnall, Puritan preacher, 1600s, commented on Luke 17, increase our faith. He says, Surely it was not because love has its increase from faith. If they could get more faith in Christ, they might be sure they have more love to their brother also. The more strongly they could believe on Christ for the pardon of their own sins, not seven, but 70 times seven in a day committed against God, then how easy it would be to forgive their brother seven times in a day. Lord, increase our faith. A decade ago, I experienced the most difficult trial, a grievous betrayal in the middle of this Christ City Building Program. For weeks and months on end, my soul was vexed. My mind troubled. I prayed much. I cast my burden on the Lord and called out for a pure heart. Almost a year went by, and one day, early spring 2011, when packing up my office in the previous church building, I threw scores of CDs and cassette tapes into a shopping bag messages I'd never listened to from years of conferences, seminars, and preachers. I took them home, and one day I had a whim. This was in early May, about six weeks before the dedication day of this facility. And it's a date I have written in the margin of my Bible. I said that day, whatever tape I pull out of that bag, I will listen to. With my eyes closed, I reach into the bag and pulled out a tape dating back some 20 years, a message by Dick Mills, a well-known itinerant minister in America, a man renowned for a unique prophetic gift, giving people scripture verses precisely relating to their situation and spiritual need. This tape was from a Jack Hayford conference in the early 1990s. Mill started his ministry time with a brief message from the word and then moved into prophetic ministry, quoting scriptures over people in attendance at the meeting. No names were given. But then all of a sudden he spoke a name. Ron. Job 11:16, 16. Because thou shalt forget thy misery and remember it as waters that pass away. I stopped. Did I, did I hear right? What did he say? My heart was already alight. I rewound the tape to hear the words, Ron, Job eleven sixteen. 16, for you shall forget your misery and remember it as waters that pass away. Was there a person in the crowd 20 years ago named Ron? Or did the Lord put my name in there that day. And in a moment, my heart was healed, and all the ache and anguish of my soul washed away. My eyes brimmed with tears, my spirit brightened, I had a word from God, and Now nothing was impossible. The future was once again as bright as the promise of God. The waters of life that had been so turbulent, agitated, threatening, difficult, returned to calm. And although I remember those days from time to time, the waters no longer have power. The memory has no force. The waters have passed away. If you are struggling with unforgiveness, with hurts of the past, worship team, come, pray, and ask God to create in you a clean heart. Agree with Jesus and say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my capacity to forgive. Cast your burden on the Lord, for he cares for you. Forgive those who sin against you when asked and maintain a forgiving spirit when not asked. As for the things you are not responsible to forgive, don't let them trouble your spirit. Cast them on the Lord, and each time their memory rises, cast them on God again and again until they become as waters that pass away. Let God heal your heart and heal your life. Jesus is coming soon. Don't get careless, and don't smite the servants. God bless you this morning. Let's stand in the presence of the Lord. The greatest forgiveness is the forgiveness of our dear Savior for our sins and our lives. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, perhaps in drive-in, perhaps in this congregation, call on the name of the Lord today. Ask God for the forgiveness of your sins. Surrender your life to the Lord and serve him with all your heart. You'll live without regret. Jesus is coming soon. We must be ready. We must be prepared for his return. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Good. Heal.